0: The Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew.
1: Glory, Glory to you, O Lord.
0: When John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of the Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we look for another? Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind. Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal palaces. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you. And more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written. Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way before you. Amen, I say to you among those born of women. There has been none greater than John the Baptist, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Praise the Lord. What a rough morning. A Rough morning, huh, Jim? You forgot the <laughs> It's been a rough morning when you're shoveling snow at 5.30 in the morning. So we're good. We we're all, we're all, we're all arrived here. Praise God. Uh, the glorious day as uh, the church now, as you notice, the change of color of the vestment. It's the third Sunday of Advent, and it's called Gaudete Sunday. Rejoice. And this, we only wear this color twice a week, by the way. And throughout the whole entire church, all the Catholic priests throughout the world, we all make the same joke, by the way, we're all, about the pinkness of the rose color, about how we're still men, masculine men. You're not going to hear a tired joke from me this, this Sunday because I look amazing <laughs> pink. So no jokes this morning. But, but the color, if you notice it, if you're if shocked, like, why is Father wearing that, that weird color? Well, it's because it's supposed to be a visual shock to you by the way, because we only wear this twice a year again. It's supposed to shock you saying, why why does it look different? It is to prepare for something that's amazing that's going to happen for the coming of Jesus. And this whole entire season of Advent is all about preparing the way to welcome Jesus now. And this pinkness is meant to visually stun you. John the Baptist, which we were introduced to you last Sunday, and John the Baptist here, his sole job is precisely to do that, to pave the way for the coming of Jesus now. And in many ways, why I put up, you can see here beautifully, this is Our Lady of Guadalupe. She needs no introduction, especially to our Mexican brothers and sisters. This story is utterly amazing because Our Lady of Guadalupe, in a sense, is a John the Baptist figure. Let me set the stage for you when the image of Our Lady Guadalupe appears. So, this, this is a copy of the original. This Our Lady, this image is, appears to us in 1531. And it began as Our Lady revealed herself to a man by the name of Juan Diego. But let's take a step back for a second, before 10 years prior to this image, when it, when it was miraculously given to us. So, let's set the stage. 1521, Hernán Cortés arrives in what's now Mexico. He arrives there and he journeys to the center of the Aztec Empire, modern-day Mexico City. But then it was called under the Nahuatl name Telo Chitlan. And he gets there and it was this marvelous city. So imagine Venice. You know, Venice had these beautiful canals and they move about. Well, Telo Chitlan was kind of like a... A version of Venice. They had these canal roads which, which intersected, usually had streets and it was built on, the city was built on a series of islands in the middle of a lake. And one of the most towering edifices in that city were these two huge, massive temples. And on these temples, we, if, you, if you've ever seen them before, they're built precisely in a, in a, in a very specific way. Because the Aztecs had an elaborate system of human sacrifice. They would go out and wage war on the neighboring Indian tribes. They would capture the other tribes and they would imprison them and they would use them precisely as an offering to God. At one point in one journal entry, we have the journal entries from that time period. It said in one year, the Aztecs had sacrificed, now imagine, 80,000 people on the temple. So they would bring them up to the top of the temple. I, can't, I don't want to describe it, but it's absolutely brutal. And after they would offer this person in sacrifice, one by one, they would roll them down the temple. That's why it was built in that way. So the bodies can easily fall down the temple. And they would do this one after the other. One after the other. In a parade of human Sacrifice. When the Catholic priests arrived there, we, our, our, my fellow brothers asked the Aztec priests, why are you doing this? Stop what you're doing. You're offering human beings in sacrifice. This is what they responded, and I quote. This is from an Aztec priest. We do this because life comes from the gods. With their sacrifice, they gave us life. They produce our sustenance, which nourishes us. So in other words, what they're saying is that since, since their gods gave them life, in response, we have to offer now human beings to say thank you and to keep the sustenance going. So that's 1521, Hernan Cortes. That, that's the religiosity of the Aztecs at that time period. Or now Cortez, in a few couple of years, would conquer the Aztecs because he would align himself with the neighboring tribes because of how brutal that how brutal they were. So he aligns them, he conquers them. Now, it's 1521. We discover gold there, and the whole story. The you know, you hear about the stories of Spanish ships filled with gold now starts being shipped back to the old world. And during this time, because the Spanish were so powerful, they would use the Aztec Indians, the native Indians there, as slave labor. To kind of give you a sense of how much wealth was coming out of what was northern modern day Mexico. A couple years ago, they discovered a shipwreck just off the coast of Colombia, an old Spanish galleon. One ship. Guess how much gold and treasure was in one ship? $17 billion worth of gold and jewels and treasure. So that's one ship. To kind of give you an idea of the flow of wealth that was coming out of Mexico, going to Spain. And so the slave labor was the Aztecs, the native Indians. So now that's the background leading up to 1531. You had here a clash of civilizations. You had the native Indians, the Aztecs, and then the Spaniards. Again, two different cultures, two different civilizations collapsing into each other. When the church tried to evangelize the Indians and try to bring Jesus to them, we weren't very successful because of the brutality of the Spaniards. When we would try to share the message of Jesus Christ, they said, we don't want your religion. Your religion is subjugating us. Your religion is torturing us. Your religion is oppressing us. So by the time, in 1531, we had few converts to Christianity. Then enter December 9th, 1531. A convert to Catholicism by the man named Juan Diego begins to be visited by a woman who describes herself as the mother of God. And she asked Juan Diego, saying, go to the Bishop of Mexico City, and tell him to build a shrine, a temple, on this this hill, on Tepeyac Hill. And of course, the bishop did not believe this, this simple man, and he asked for a miracle in order to prove that indeed he was being visited miraculously by the Blessed Mother. And on December 12th, on Tepeyac Hill, Juan Diego finds on this hill, again, middle of winter, he discovers in full bloom Castilian roses, which again is not native to that part of the world. And he says, oh, this is the miracle. So, so he gathers in his, in, his, in his garment, he gathers the rose petals in his garment, carries them back to the city. He goes into a room filled with people, with the bishop now present, and he says, I have your miracle. And then he, as he opens up his garment to show him the roses, the roses fall out And then miraculously imprinted now on his garment is Our Lady of Guadalupe. Miraculous image. So this happened December 12, 1531. To kind of give you a sense of the impact that this event would have. This last Thursday, I looked up the numbers. Mexico, because the shrine is in Mexico City now, guess how many people visited that shrine on Thursday? 10 million people. 10 million. To give you a sense of now the devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe. But now I want us to look at our image of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Look at it through the eyes of an Aztec, by the way. Because remember, Our Lady appeared to them because the moment that Our Lady appears, within 10 years, we would convert 7 million Indians to Christianity. 7 million within 10 years. This is the fastest conversion in the history of Christianity of, the, of, of that group of people. The fastest in the history, 2,000 year history. Within, when Our Lady appeared, 7 million converted within a short period of time. Why? Why the impact? Seen through the eyes of an Aztec Indian, you begin to see why. Notice Our Lady now. She's, if you notice around her body, these are sun rays. These are the rays of the sun that are emanating from her. She is standing in front of the sun. Why is that key? Because one of the gods that the Aztecs used to worship, whom they would offer human sacrifices to, was the sun god by the name of Huetzalopotle. And they would offer thousands and thousands of people to the sun god. So now, Mary, who's standing in front of the sun, for the Aztec mind, he's saying, Ah! I am more powerful than your son, God. See, the Aztecs, immediately would recognize that. But not only that, notice now, Mary, her eyes are cast down, right? Her hands are in a prayer position. She has a a, a, a little rope around her waist, signifying that she's pregnant. And the fact of her body posture, with her head down, her hands (laughs) clasped like this, She is humble before the one she now carries in her womb. That she is not a goddess. Something in her is greater than she. Another critical aspect that the Aztec would have saw immediately. Our Lady of Guadalupe does not appear as an Indian. Nor does she appear as a Spaniard. She appears precisely as a woman of mixed race, a mestiza, half Indian, half Spanish. That changed everything. (coughs) Within a single night, Our Lady of Guadalupe would go on and to produce an entire new ethnic group, our Mexican brothers and sisters. You see here, what what Our Lady just did, she took two civilizations, the old world, the Spaniards, the native Indians, and she brought them together as one. You see, that's what mothers do best, don't you, mothers in here? You guys, at your best, what do you guys do? You stop your kids from fighting each other. Right? Do, you pay, do you kids fight? Absolutely. I remember my mother growing up, I, I, I'm still horrified by this. Whenever, whenever I used to fight with my sister, she would, my mom would make me kiss her on the cheek. <laughs> kiss your sister. No. Kiss you said, Oh, fine. I'm so horrified by that idea. (laughs) Why? Because she wanted to bring her kids together. right? Mother's at your best. That's why the beauty and the genius, why Jesus would send Mary now during this pivotal time period of a clash of civilizations. Because for the Aztec, the reason why they could not accept Jesus was because of the brutality of the Spanish. And remember, by the time the generation that saw Our Lady of Guadalupe They still have memories of thousands and thousands of people being humanly, being sacrificed, right? They still remember the, literally, the rivers of blood that was cascading down their temples. They still remember that. And they could not accept Jesus. But when Our Lady now appears, and there are absolutely layers and layers and layers of meaning to Our Lady of Guadalupe. When the Aztecs saw this, she creates a new people. That is why, to this very day, our Mexican brothers and sisters have a devotion to Our Lady of Guadalupe that's unfathomable. Absolutely spectacular. Our Lady of Guadalupe prepared the way for them to accept Jesus Christ. John the Baptist in the Gospel. Prepared the way for Jesus. That is why when we hear now John the Baptist says in the gospel that he's in prison. He's in prison because he was preaching the truth. He's in prison now and all of a sudden you he hear stories about Jesus. And he sends his followers, go ask Jesus this question. And they ask him beautifully. Now notice now, when John the Baptist asks this question, the Jews are waiting for God. They're waiting for him to break into history. Because in the prophet Isaiah, from the first reading that you heard, it promised, God promised that, and I'll quote, strengthen the hands that are feeble, make firm the knees that are weak, say to those whose hearts are frightened, be strong, fear not, here is your God, he comes with vindication. He comes to save you. So in the book of the prophet Isaiah, it's prophesying in a future time that God would enter into history. And so now the Jews are waiting and waiting and waiting. John the Baptist prepares a way, and he hears about Jesus doing this miraculous work, and he asks Jesus straight up. Now notice the words again. They're waiting centuries for this to happen. Are you the one who was to come, or should we look for another? Do you hear the anticipation now? And then what does Jesus say? Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. Jesus quotes directly Isaiah chapter 35, the first reading. Everybody would have been absolutely stunned because what Jesus just said here He says, the one that the prophets prophesied about, that God would enter into history, guess what? I am He. Do you see now why with Jesus Christ, He compels a decision? There is no being indifference to Jesus Christ. You cannot. Because an indecision is a decision. And Christ comes now, He has prepared humanity to welcome God, breaking into our history. You see, my friend, just as Our Lady of Guadalupe prepared the Aztec people to receive Jesus now, look at the fruit. She converted an entire nation. Mexico is the third largest, if I get my numbers correct, the third largest Catholic nation. In many ways, and I'll, and I'll end here, in many ways, every single one of us in here, we're all waiting for something, aren't we? We're waiting for something better, we're waiting for a new job, we're waiting for the school year to end, we're waiting for the Super Bowl to happen, we're waiting for, we're all in a, in a stage of waiting but the frustrating thing about life is that nothing satisfies the deepest longings of our hearts here on earth. That's by design. That's by design. You see, the Aztecs were waiting as well. That is why they sacrificed thousands and thousands of people to their gods. Because they felt they were waiting for, God, for their own gods to come. But it didn't work. Nothing in this world will satisfy the longing of our, of our hearts, save one person, Jesus Christ. Now do you see why we wear pink? Do you see now why Jesus Christ compels a decision now? He is the long-promised Messiah that humanity has been thirsting for. we must welcome Him in. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.